Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of ABC on Pittsburgh Sports. Michael Andonisio, Tom Bradley, and me, Mark Clemente. Coming at you for our weekly podcast, catching you up on everything that's going on in, in Pittsburgh sports and nationally. You know, we, we, we cover the big national sports here. We're not like other local talk shows that avoid basketball or they avoid the NBA. We talk about everything here. We have, between the three of us, we have, we have you covered, and this week will be no different. So let's get right into it. We're going to start with the Penguins. Obviously, since we last spoke, a lot has happened. Uh, a lot of deals over the weekend hit out of nowhere, really. Uh, Tommy, what'd you think? Yeah, I, I was shocked. I was outside cutting the grass, and uh, you know, I had my I had my earbuds in, and all of a sudden, my 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 phone started dinging, and I looked down. I was like, "Wait a minute, what, what, <laughs> right, are, we, yeah. what are we doing here? It's Saturday afternoon." And uh, the Marino deal happened, and uh, let's talk about that one first. So, Marino uh, for Ty Smith, a young defenseman, and a third round pick, which is a big deal. No, for it's the huge. Penguins. They need not, assets. They that's need not the, a little. Yeah. You know, you're trading two young assets. Um, Marino is the guy that I always thought if he moved, it would be more of a hockey deal than necessarily a salary dump. Um, they sort of accomplished both. They got a young defenseman in Ty Smith, who is. Reminds me, his background of where he's gotten to reminds me a little bit of P.O. Joseph. Um, he's a former first-round mm-hmm. pick. Um, he's offensive more than he is a defensive defenseman. Um, he can skate. He's uh, he's not big. He's only 5'10". Um, he had a good first year, made all-rookie mm-hmm. NHL uh, two years ago. Last year, he really struggled. On Sounds a team, familiar. Yeah, on a team. <laughs> the guy he was traded for. Yeah, on a team that struggled. Um yeah, his first year was his best year. John Marino's first year was by far his best year. Um, I'm not sad to see Marino go, especially with the follow-up move. Um, right-handed defensemen are like lefties in baseball. You never can have enough of them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think they got value for a guy that was probably a little overpaid, probably hasn't really plat- or hasn't really grown to be the defenseman that I think most people thought, especially Jim Rutherford after his first year who just couldn't end his praises about him. But I think they took something that was a questionable where his progress was and what his thing and what his role was. And also a defenseman that since he's been here, um, we haven't won a playoff series. Mm-hmm. So again, you're not breaking up the nineteen twenty seven Yankee lineup here. You're moving guys that have not had playoff success, which is what we're after. Um, so they got a young defenseman and they got a third round pick, which is it, it's it, a important because, you know, uh, they have had huge success with third round picks over the last year. You know, over, over the years, Latang was a third round pick. Tristan Jari was a third round pick. Um, but it's also an asset at the trade deadline. You know, that's a, that's some that's a movable asset that they could trade for somebody at the deadline. So um, I was okay with that deal. Um, and then it followed up. And what was it? An hour or so right. later, uh, the Petrie deal, which uh, has been long rumored. I mentioned in the podcast a few months ago that I thought Petrie was a possible if not likely replacement for Latang. I thought he's the number one right-handed defenseman making what Latang uh, was making and I thought if Latang deal didn't go through uh, that this would be a guy that the Penguins might look to acquire. Um, uh, there were some rumors at the deadline or at the at the draft a couple weeks ago that the Penguins in Montreal had, had talks about him. Yeah, and evidently it was for uh, Penguins wanted Pedersen rather than Matheson. Yeah, so um, Let's first talk about Petrie. He is another older guy. He's 35, um, but he is a legitimate number one right-handed defenseman, and um, that's a big get. And then pair him with uh, Jan Ruda on the right side. I mean, 
the Penguins have depth on the right side like they haven't had in years. I mean, you have uh, Chris Letang, who's been a number one defenseman here for the last 16 years. You have Petrie, who is a number one defenseman mm-hmm. who has played on a lot of bad teams. This is his first time to be on a good team. And he's going to be a second-pairing guy, which means he's not going to have to have as many minutes as he's done before. Against top lines. Which I think yeah. is going to be huge for him. And he's an offensive guy. He's bigger. Um, he's not... You know, he's not Brooks Orpic where he's going to go take mm-hmm. somebody's head off, but he's physical enough mm-hmm. where he's going to he's going to throw some checks. He'll get people out of the way in front of the net. And then you have Jan Ruda, who who they signed as a free agent, who was playing top minutes for Tampa Bay with Victor Hedman and his partner. He's now your third-pair guy on the right side. And then you have Chad Ruedel, who mm-hmm. played almost every game last year as your fourth defenseman on the right side. And then you have the swing guy in Friedman. So I really like what they've done. The other half of the Petrie deal, like you mentioned, you know, the Penguins tried for a long time to make it Pedersen. I was really surprised because the Petrie news uh, came out, and you knew he had been traded, but you didn't know what what had happened. So I was on the phone with my dad, sort of what's you know, we were talking back and forth, you know, and I said I said it, you know, it had to be Pedersen. And then as it, as it took a little longer, I thought I said to my dad, I said, boy, you know, I wonder if it's going to wind up being Dumoulin. Mm-hmm. And I and then and I never in a million years thought it was going to be Matheson. So again. Matheson is an incredible talent. He skates and, and, and plays that side of the game better than I think anybody but, thought mm-hmm. when he came here. It worked out to be a great trade getting Matheson for Hornquist because Hornquist is pretty much done. Um, so, you know, I was a little surprised. But, you know, like Hextall said, you trade good players, you got to give up good players. You know, everybody likes to always say on the Internet, you know, you trade all <laughs> your good players for all their bad. Um, I was a little surprised. Um, but – you know, again, you know, very quietly, they got another they got another young player mm-hmm. in that deal, too. It wasn't just Patterson. Right. It wasn't just Pulling. Petrie for yeah. Matheson. Another first-round pick. You know, they got Pulling, who's yeah. very similar to Ty Smith. He's a first-round pick. Um, he came in his first NHL game. He had a hat trick and then scored in overtime to win it in a shootout. Uh, but since then, he's had, I think, nine career goals after that game in the last 84 games. But he's another big body. He's young. He's a former first-round pick. You know, you look at him and you put him into the system more as a prospect on the younger side. You know, I think he's only 22 or 23 years old. Um, he's got some NHL experience like Ty Smith. And you give him a chance to really be uh, a potential contributor on the bottom six, which they desperately need some people to step mm-hmm. up down there. So um, I really like both trades. I like the fact that there is some change. Um, I'm a little curious about what they do with the left side now with Dumoulin, Pedersen, and then the two mm-hmm. young kids, P.O. Joseph and Ty Smith. But um, I like the fact that they changed something, mm-hmm. you know, finally. And uh, I really like the right side. And, you know, you kind of wish and hope for the right. left side. Yeah. No, I agree. And you got to think, at least I would expect, that they're still trying to dish Pedersen. I, I think he's still the one guy on the blue line that can go, based upon the depth you just talked about, I, I think – I'm sure they're still exploring options there to, to unload that salary because the thing we need to talk about, Tommy, is what they still haven't addressed are their bottom six up front. And by no means, hopefully, is that a done deal because I think he's got a lot of work to do, he being Hextall. Well, that's the thing. With trading Matheson, it makes Pedersen more valuable. And the analytics community of hockey, which I'm not a proponent of, I watch the games um, and, uh, you know, I've never seen anybody get hit like Pedersen does. I mean, he is just like a magnet for getting drilled behind the net. Um, I'm not a Pedersen fan, but the analytics community will tell you that he's a much better hockey player than what the, your eyes may, the tell, eyes you. may yeah. tell you. Yeah. So, you know, I always 
question that yeah. that world. Um, you know, the analytics made good, but how come every time he's on the ice, we're fishing a puck out of right. our net? Right. You know, um, but and that's why I love the not to get too far off track here, and that's why I love the movie Trouble with the Curve. You guys know that movie, right? Uh, Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood couldn't right? say a damn thing, but he could hear. It. Yep. Yeah, it, it's the eye test. It's the eye test, right? And our generation appreciates that. And whether it's hockey or baseball, it doesn't matter the sport. The eye test, I still believe in the eye test I, over I analytics. And not to get off track. Numbers but, can lie. But to me, there's a stat that can make any can make your argument anyway, right. one way or the other. Yeah. And I feel like that's what analytics yeah, does. You can tweet yeah, it yeah. Any lies, damn lies, and yeah. statistics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, getting back to Pedersen, I, I think if I were the Penguins right now, the problem is, and we'll talk about this in a minute, they signed Kapanen today, which actually puts them over their cap with what they have right now. So there's no free agents that you're going to sign. The only thing you can do right now would be hockey trades. You're trading mm-hmm. one for one. Um, and the problem with now is is that if you got rid of Pedersen in some form or fashion, then you're looking at two basically rookies on the left side being your second and third pairs, and that's a big gamble. Um, you know, I was listening to Josh Yowie today on the radio talk about maybe Jan Ruda plays the left side, mm-hmm. which he's comfortable with, and – and Ruda and Pet and Petrie are your defensemen on it, but I don't, I don't, I don't like doing that. You know, you, I like having right-handed defensemen on the right side, left-handed defensemen on the left side. So, Pedersen, if Pedersen plays to his capabilities, he would be an ideal partner for Petrie. Well, he, I thought he played well. Speaking of the eye test, first half of last year, yes, he and was very solid. Petrie has said, you know, publicly that he wants a more stay-home defensive mm-hmm. defenseman, which is what Pedersen, when he's playing mm-hmm. well, does well. So if I'm the Penguins right now, I probably would be okay leaving it the way it is because you've got a lot of, um, you know, you have Dumoulin and Latang is going to be your top pair. I think as it sits right now, Pedersen and Petrie is going to be your second pair, which I'm okay with because even though I'm not a huge fan of Pedersen, I think Petrie as your second pair defenseman is such a huge upgrade um, that I think that balance has that lineup. And you have Jan Ruda, a steady, stay-at-home Solid, you know, nothing flashy, nothing fancy defenseman on the right side with a with a kid in either P.O. Joseph or Ty Smith on the left side. Mm-hmm. And then you have a couple veterans in Rorito and Friedman to fill in for injuries. I'm okay with that defensive core as it stands right now, uh, going forward. So and defensemen, you know, there's 15, 20 defensemen flipped at every deadline for second and third and fourth round picks. You can go get a second pair of lefty man if you need somebody. So I don't think you have to just mm-hmm. dump Pedersen unless you make a hockey trade. If you trade Pedersen for a more established, you know, guy mm-hmm. or something like that, I'm okay with that. All right, so let's talk about the bottom six real quick, and then we'll move on. How do you see it right now? Do you do you think Hextall will do something? Well, the shocking move today is the captain and right. Yeah, that was announced just before we went on the air here. And the shot is the the, the AAV of the contract. Yeah, I two don't. year term. I'm okay with. Yeah, but three point two, six point four million dollar deal, three point two average annual, which is his cap hit. Um, I am floored by that. I, I I understood the qualifying offer because of the terms of the contract. They could qualify him for eight hundred and sixty four thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So you weren't you know you weren't risking a lot by qualifying him. The problem, in, and I I'll be free to admit, and I don't know that there's many people outside of five lawyers in this world that understand it, but NHL arbitration is very weird and how they do things. And um, my understanding was that they could have went to the, they could have went to arbitration with him and he could have been awarded upwards of $4 million mm-hmm. potentially, 
even though he had a bad year, it's basically numbers driven. He has had a career where there is a little bit of a pedigree and a little bit of track record for him. And once he would have, if they would have gotten qualified for, if he would have gotten awarded more than what he's got, the Penguins could not walk away from that. So they would have been stuck with that. So I think they sort of just said, okay, we'll just take our medicine here and, and get him signed. And I would not rule out still Kapanen being moved. Now that there's a set number, mm-hmm. now that arbitration is done, I wouldn't still rule out the fact that he could potentially be traded. But what I would do as it sits right now, um, you have your, your – you, we know we know pretty much the top two lines, but the one thing that I would consider, you're paying Kapanen $3.2 million. You know, I would sit him down and say, listen, man, you're making legitimate NHL money. You This this stuff that you're doing last year and stuff, I, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. I would give him every opportunity to succeed, and if it doesn't work, then I would bury him in the minors. So what I would do to start the year, I liked Raquel at left wing. I thought he was a, he was a natural left winger who who's, who's a right shot. He likes to play the left side. I would play Raquel on the left side and Kapanen on the right side of Malkin and hope that they find something there. And I would put Carter and Zucker together mm-hmm. on the third line and maybe put a young kid like Drew O'Connor on that wing. And then your fourth line is all the bodies. Bluger, McGinn, they signed Josh mm-hmm. Archibald. Um, you have Redeem Zahorna around. Ryan Poland, who they got mm-hmm. in the Petri deal. Put all those guys into a fish pool or fish pond there and just let them See fight it out yeah. for the third, for the, for the last three guys. Yeah. And uh, the reality of it is, is that they're probably – Two spots um, out of mm-hmm. out of Drew O'Connor, Zahorna, Josh Archibald, Poling, um, and then you know this, the the uh, Legares and mm-hmm. Bullens. There's probably two spots, and if I had a bet right now, it'd probably be Drew O'Connor and Josh Archibald are two of those spots. Right. If nobody else gets moved, that's what I would do. I think I think you're spot on, and I don't think sure. that's a great bottom six. Yeah, I think if you I think if Kapanen produces at the at on Malkin's line. And you can get something out of Zucker. I think Zucker and Carter is two thirds of a pretty good line, mm-hmm. um, a third line. But you know, Bluger and McGinn are big question marks. They right. they had good first parts of the year. They both got hurt. They both came back and were awful, awful, just mm-hmm. awful mm-hmm. after that. So, do they get over the hump and get back to the? If, if those start playing like they were, Zucker stays healthy with Carter. Okay, that's four. That's four out of six spots you feel pretty good about. Um, then you plug in some other things and you have some options to move them on. So as it stands right now, I think they're a better team now than when they finished the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, the playoffs, they should have beat the Rangers. People will have to remember is they should have beat the Rangers who went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Game seven against Tampa. They, they, they easily could have made the Stanley Cup Finals. The Penguins should have beat that in mm-hmm. five without their number one goalie, without the guy they traded for the deadline in Raquel. Uh, and they lost Crosby mm-hmm. in that in late in that series, and they still should have won that series if it wasn't for you know terrible goaltending oh, and and uh, and the stuff that went on in that series. So I think they're a better team now than they were then, and you know it's it's just going to come down to health and can this old team mm-hmm. survive the whole course of the year to get to the playoffs and be healthy. Time will tell. We'll talk more Penguins as the summer goes along, obviously as things happen, but for now. I want everybody to go back, listen to last week's show, and yet again, not tuning our own horn here, but I'm going to a little bit. If you would have listened to our segment on the MLB draft, you would have heard Michael talk about and hype up the guy who the Pirates ultimately selected with their first pick in the draft, number four overall, Termar Johnson. Nice job, Michael. 
Yeah, that, that was my guy. Like I said, uh, he caught my eye uh, during that draft combine, and he was probably, I'm, not, I'm pretty sure he was the only top 10 prospect mm-hmm. that actually showed up for that combine, and he, he's a baseball junkie. Um, and he has a load of talent. I mean, you heard what he said mm-hmm. after he was drafted. What are the Pirates getting in, with Tamar Johnson in his draft? And he said the best player yeah. in his draft. He is the best pure hitter in this draft. Well, and people are saying in the last, it could be in the last 20 years. It is. And I've heard some Scots say he's a combination of, you know, Wade Boggs' plate discipline right. with Vladdy Guerrero's uh, bat-to-ball right. skills. Um, his bat speed through the zone is incredible. His hands are so fast, and his hands are strong. And he's only 18 years old. Mm-hmm. He's built. I mean, you can You're see, right. you know. You and I talked about it. See, that, to me, I look at that nowadays. You have to. Because in any league, the, the players are bigger, stronger, and faster. And that's – I looked at Jackson Holiday, and I thought he was 12 years old. He's, right? He looks like my 14 – I mean, he, he's wiry. I, and he's tall already. I don't know if this kid can put weight on you. Then you look at our guy, Tamar Johnson. Yeah, he, he's built like a baseball right. player. And, yeah. And, and this guy, like I said, you, you use the old term, gym rat, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. this guy is a baseball junkie. And I, listen, I said, you know, they drafted him, quote unquote, as a shortstop. He's probably going to move to second base. He, he's a fringy runner, he's a fringy fielder. His arm's fringy. I don't care about any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. He has a 70-hit tour. And by, when you say fringy, it's still major league quality. Yes. It's just not O'Neill Cruz. No. And somebody, when you talk about an arm or speed. Somebody got to play shortstop. Somebody right. got to play second base. If the guy can hit, they're going to find a spot for him. This draft this year was very different than the draft we had last year. Uh, last year's draft was more... Um, well, it started with Henry Davis. You knew they were going to be able to get under slot, and then they could go after other guys. And, and we, you know, well, I like Henry Davis, mm-hmm. but this pick, to me, this guy has a chance to be special, special with the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not so sold on – I mean, I think Davis is going to be a solid major league player, and I think he's going to hit for power, but this guy has a chance to transcend – like the Pirates never draft that guy, right? right? You know, we draft – they Good never players. have, right? No, but you know, Bonds was the right. last one mm-hmm. that they drafted where you thought, "Wow, this guy can really hit." This draft was different. Um, you look at there's only 20 rounds, right? The Pirates' top four picks are the ones that I'm just going to concentrate on here. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, obviously Tamar Johnson makes, and he's the draft really. Yeah. I mean, that's the guy we want to talk about. Right. But in the second round, they came and got uh, Thomas Harrington from Campbell, right-handed pitcher. Uh, this guy is the only guy in this draft that had a 60 rating on his changeup. Now, you don't see too many 21-year-olds with, with a plus-plus changeup. This kid's arm action with the changeup is the same as his fastball, and then it makes his 93-mile-per-hour fastball play up. And he was the pitcher mm-hmm. of the year in their league. Uh, and he's a former walk-on, but the thing you like about him is he wasn't a one-sport guy in mm-hmm. high school. He's athletic. He was a high school quarterback. He could have played college football. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that pick, but you know the the other sec. Well, he was the CBA pick in the first right, round. The competitive balance thing. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. they took Hunter Barco from Florida, uh, left-handed pitcher. And like you were saying, you alluded to last week with the Tommy John surgeries. He's one of the guys that that I was thinking about when I made that comment. And he's, he was a first-round pick. He, he, they said he would have been fifteen to twenty-five. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy has a wipeout slider, uh, and he has uh, he throws almost a low slot cross arm action. Um, the only picture, like a Solomento, it's a little bit different. Solomento has a different wind up. This kid has a cleaner wind mm-hmm. up. Solomento has a little herky jerky mm-hmm. thing in there. 
this kid comes across the body, and the only pitcher I could think of was John Tudor. Now, he obviously throws harder than John Tudor ever did, but it's that cross-arm action. Mm -hmm. Left-handed hitters have trouble picking it up. And the spin on his slider, if this kid comes back healthy, he throws 92 to 96 from the left side with a white bot slider. Mm -hmm. This this could be a really good pick in this draft. The one head scratcher for me was the third round pick, Jack Brannigan from right. Notre Dame, which got me to thinking about my son. Now on a lower level of college baseball, Austin obviously played division right. three, but Austin went kicking and screaming into pitching. Now how many guys can throw the ball 100 miles an hour? Yeah. I mean, this kid has touched 100 miles an hour. Yes, he, he wants nothing to do with pitching. Yeah, he, he threw, hates it. He, he wants, threw 23 yeah. innings in college, so I seen, I think, three clips of him. Mm -hmm. um, one he threw it to the backstop uh, and put a dent <laughs> nuke Lelouch. Yeah, a little nuke Lelouch. Um, he wants to play third base. I mean, he's a. He, they say he's a solid defender. He has fringy power. He's probably not going to hit for a high average. He's a defensive first third baseman, which your your mm -hmm. corner positions you right, want you them to right. hit. I don't know if they're going to talk this kid into pitching full-time. I think at some point, I think they're doing a little song and dance with him mm -hmm. saying they're going to give him a chance to do both. We know how hard it is to do both. The only guy doing it is Shohei Otani. So I thought that pick was a, a head-scratcher, and I don't know if they picked him in the third round thinking they could get him mm -hmm. under slot because the guy that really could make this draft yeah, is, is the, the fourth-round pick, Michael Kennedy. He has a strong – he's a left-handed pitcher. Pirates went pitching heavy in this draft. Fifteen picks. Fifteen picks. Um Kennedy is a left-handed pitcher out of uh, New York, high school pitcher. Mm -hmm. Strong commit to LSU. The film I've seen on this kid is a three-pitch mix. Um, he throws a slider, which is above average, and his changeup's already average at 18 years old, where that's the pitch that you have the right. hardest time getting a feel for throwing. Uh you know, he already sits 92, and he's, you know, he's going to put weight on. He's going to get stronger. He's probably going to throw harder. This is the guy that they're going to have to overpay slot for to get him off his LSU commit. And if they can do that, then this draft is going to be really solid for the Pirates. Just up top. I mean, we're right. not talking about the – Yeah, we're not going to go down We're not going to go way down the list. But those those were the top four picks. Obviously, Tamar Johnson makes the draft. And Kennedy can really make this draft special, the top four picks. Before we move on and we talk about the big league club, I want to take a minute. You went to Altoona. I did. You saw the curve live yes. and in person, and had some interesting feedback. So I'd like you to share that with all of our yeah, listeners. Yeah, I, I, I finally thought about what you saw down down on the farm. I, I went down on the farm I, Saturday. I went up to see Altoona play, um, and uh, Quinn Priester was pitching. Uh, looked fantastic. Uh, five and a third. I think he struck out three, walked two, gave up two hits. Um, ball to strike ratio was a little wonky, but again, it was only his fifth start at Altoona. I mean, he obviously got a mm -hmm. later start for the season. A lot of the guys were hurt. Obviously, Matt Gorski was out. I think he has a torn quad. Or, yes, torn yeah, quad. Mm -hmm. He's out for the season. Uh, Libor Paguero didn't play. He was hitting the head mm -hmm. with a pitch the night before. Uh, who else? Henry Davis. Henry Davis is out. That kid, he's starting to get on my nerves a little bit. I got to be honest. I, it, it, it's the, the wrist can can you just move out of the way of a pitch? You're not playing high school ball, and these dudes aren't throwing 80 mile per hour anymore. Don't try to be tough, guy. Get the hell out of the way of the pitch. Yeah, get get out of the way of the pitch. And when they're paying you that kind of money, I did get to see uh, Matt Frazier. Uh, he looks like he's coming around. And uh, the one thing I wanted to talk about going going to the Altoona game, guys, and we talk about how long Major League Baseball games are, that pitch clock, you guys, I mean, yeah. 
Two hours and 11 minutes, that game was over. Now, the umpire twice came out from behind home plate and called a ball on the pitcher for going over the time limit. Mm -hmm. It's 19 seconds to throw a pitch. The game moves quick. Uh, You only got so much time to get in the box. They got two minutes and 30 seconds between innings. It keeps you engaged. You don't have time to look at your phone. We don't have Jose Quintana on the mind taking a minute and a half to throw one pitch and the guy stepping out of the box three times because it takes too long. So I'm hoping at some point Major League Baseball implement a pitch clock. The reality of it is we know that that's the strongest union in America, and uh, the players' union is probably not going to pass it. But Mm -hmm. if they did, I think you would see more people going to games. But it was a really enjoyable experience, and the game went fast. Yeah, I mean, when you mentioned that to me, I think that's definitely what one of the things that Major League Baseball needs to implement for sure. Yes. And they said they were going to test it in the minor leagues. If it went well, yeah, they would working. implement. Yeah, guys, when I tell you working, I mean. I mean, I see no reason why it wouldn't approve both. I mean, of course, the, the owners are going to want it. It's going to make the product better. Uh, anything to drive up TV ratings, they're going to be all about. That obviously will because you're not going to be locked in for three, three and a half hours, three hours and 15 minutes. You cut 45 minutes off of that. People are going to love it. And the players, I, I honestly, I don't see why they would care. I mean, it, it's, this is something, if it's going to improve the product, they should be, they should be all and about And the guys it. coming through the minors now are, are going to be used to it. They're used right. to already pitching quicker yeah, with a quicker great point. pace. Yeah, yeah and, and a reference to that would be for hockey, um, you know, when they instituted the shields, that mm-hmm. you have to wear a shield because, you know, uh, on your helmet, you know, people bitched and moaned about they didn't want to make that change, but it was for the betterment of because people weren't getting hurt, they were right. protecting their eyes and things like that. And they instituted, they grandfathered everybody in, uh, so that if you were in the NHL, you you didn't have to worry about it. But when you're playing, you know, coming up through the system, you mm-hmm. always had to wear a you're shield. Used to it, man. You're used By the time to you it. get there, you're used. So to after it. a couple of years, that generation that's in there now is they don't know any different right. than that. Right. I, I agree with you. I think it'll happen. I hope so. But you know, baseball. You know, baseball has a problem. I mean, the All Star Game last night was got crushed again with the ratings. The ratings were awful. Um, I mean, baseball just isn't drawing eyes to it, and they have to come up with something. And these three and a half hour, four mm-hmm. hour games. Yeah. Or, I mean, there's been times where I'm watching the Pirates this year, and you know they'll be doing something, and I'll flick it to something else, and you know I'll catch something for four or five minutes. And I'll come back and I've missed three pitches. Yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, holy hell. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think definitely we'll probably see those sooner rather than later, and along with robo ups. I think that's become a necessity. It, that's not even a nice to have anymore. I, it's become a necessity. These umpires, and it, no fault. Listen, I sit here and I'll tell you right now, I would never, ever be able to call balls and strikes 96, 98, 100. Spin rate twenty eight hundred. You, you know, I mean, you're, you're guessing half the time, dude. That dude for I, 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 Angel I, Hernandez. No, not uh-huh. him. Not the umpire. The the pitcher that closed out the game. The Cleveland Indians closer. Oh yeah, Plus, Plus, Plus. Yeah. That dude was throwing hundred miles an hour, <laughs> right. and that ball was moving <laughs> like it was a knuckleball. And and you're expecting a guy who is not a young. Right. There's not right. a lot of young umpires, so you're expecting a fifty year old guy to be able to judge where that ball's coming yeah. in a split second. I mean, you watch those. You know, if you watch the All Star game, they had the umpire, they had the helmet cam oh, for mm-hmm. the umpire. Yeah, and, and, you yeah, know, right. and the dude releases the ball, and you're like, okay. And then you hear right. you hear the smack of the glove, and, and you got to make a call right away. You're and that's what I'm saying. Lie. I'm not. And they, and they yeah. do. They get it right most of the time, but some of these egregious ones, yeah. man, are just. Oh. And you see more and more of them. I mean, if you go on any social media channel, you, you see compilations now. 
of just atrocious calls. Well, I know the grind for an umpire. Listen, we do knock them. They do get most of the calls mm-hmm. right. But there are, just like baseball players, there's elite baseball players, there's good baseball players, and then there's baseball players in the major leagues that you're like, how the hell is mm-hmm. this guy in the major leagues? Well, it's the same with umpires. Right. There's really, really good ones, there's decent ones, and then there's really bad ones. So then there's Angel Hernandez. And then there's yeah. Angel Hernandez. <laughs> He's just, I, I don't understand how he still has a job. They're the Pirates get every series. So that shows you where the Pirates are. They get that. They get that. So if you don't want to go to the robo ones, and this is just a suggestion, you take the top tier ball and strike callers in Major League and you leave them behind the plate and you pay them more. Right. I, I, I don't, if you don't want to go to the well, robo you have the technology, use it. It's I, there. I, I, the only thing I'll say about that, though, is if you, again, the eye test. If you watch that, what some things are, balls and strikes, boy, there's some balls that, you know, that, that flash as right. a strike. And to me, as I'm watching it, there's no way that's a strike. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I'm yeah. okay with and the well, And back in the day, you got to get the camera angle just right. And there's all sorts of – but they've perfected that. And so, same thing. What They probably get 90% of the calls right, the umps. I think with robo-umps, you're probably going to get the 98%. Why not? Anytime you can make an improvement, do it. Because you don't want – just like you were talking about, you, it's so easy to pick on Major League Baseball for any number of things. And this is an easy thing you can just check off that say, we're taking that off the table. That's going away. Take off the length by what you were talking about, Michael, instituting all the, you know, the pitch, pitch clocks. clocks and all that. Why not? Why not? These will improve your game. It, it's you will, you will face less ridicule. You get more eyeballs on what you're doing. Well, this is it's the just one, a no-brainer. This is the one sport that moves to change slower than the others. They do. It's because it's crazy. It's, you know, it's just it's it's what they. On do. the one hand, they, they they you know they they stick by tradition, but on the other, with all these analytics, they move forward. Yeah. So just move, move everything it. forward. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the Pirates here before we move on. Um, midway. Obviously, point. midway point of the season. Biggest surprise so far for you, Michael? Biggest disappointment, Tommy, and then we'll move on to you. Uh, my biggest surprise, obviously, I have two. And I'm going to say JT Brubaker mm-hmm. and Mitch Keller. Uh, I told you Brubaker reminded me, and we haven't talked about him much. No. I, I think he's he, pitched very well. I mean, well isn't even the word for it. I mean, he's pitched, I mean, after the first three starts of the year, he's right. been pretty, pretty good. Those guys have really, really caught my eye. I mean, especially Keller, because I thought there was a chance mm-hmm. this could be the end for him. And the way he's pitched lately, uh, you know, maybe he's figuring some things out. So he's my biggest surprise. Him and Brubaker are my two biggest surprises. And then we're probably all on the same page. To me, people want to say Reynolds. Reynolds got off the really right. slow start, and then he got hurt. To me, it's Hayes. He's the biggest disappointment I have in the first half. I mean, just the, and not the lack of home run power, just the lack of – Hit the ball hard, um, you know. He, he he's like a to me a punch and Judy hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes the ball comes off the bat and it doesn't even make a sound. I look to see if my my sign's up on the TV. I mean, he he hits cue shots to the second baseman. He's just I mean I know he's really good defensively, but to me I, you got to hit better than he's hitting. So that's my biggest disappointment. Well, I'll talk in more general broad mm-hmm. uh, broad strokes. My biggest uh, uh, I guess positive for the first half is the is the nickel and dime veterans that they've signed. Um, you know, I mean, Jose Quintana didn't, you know, signed early in the offseason. He didn't raise any red flag, you know, any, you know, oh, look at this guy. Um, and same with Vogelback and Marisnik and, and Gamble. These are all guys that you're like, oh, you know. 
but you know, for what the for what the Pirates have needed, um, I think that they have they have turned themselves into a valuable commodity. That I think that especially Vogelbach and Quintana, I think the Pirates are going to be able to flip them mm-hmm. and be able to get something out of them uh, at the deadline mm-hmm. and and turn you know two two million dollar investments uh, for both players. I think. Um, into something that could be a potential prospect for them yeah. at the deadline. So, I, you know, um, while none of those were needle movers when they were signed, mm-hmm. if you can take those kind of guys, which I've been advocating through this whole process, is sign some of these guys to one-year deals and try to flip them at the deadline and turn something into and turn nothing into something. And I think those guys have – and even the Gambles and the Marisniks, I mean, I, I think they're all tradable commodities. And if you get a prospect that's 18 years old, okay, it's like another right. draft pick. Mm-hmm. Um, for these guys. So uh, that's the positive. And the negative for me is, to your point, Brian Hayes, a little bit, but the young guys. You know, uh, we've been, we've looked at a lot of young guys so far this year. And while there have been, you know, the, the Sawinski three homer game and, and uh, little snippets of things here, it's disappointing that so many young guys have had an opportunity so far and none of them have established themselves as anything for me overall to get excited about or me. What I want to have through this year was I want to be able to put a pin in a guy and say, okay, this is a guy we move forward with, you know. And to me, there's a lot of guys that have just not taken the opportunity. And while some of them have, you know, Swinsky's got nice home runs, but he's hitting below 200, um, you know. And, and and the same with the, the Mitchells and and a lot of these guys, the, the two Capitas were, was on a roll that he got COVID and he went down and the Hoy Parks, Diego Castillos. I mean, all these guys, none of them have done anything for me. Even O'Neill Cruz. Where I put a pin in these guys and go, okay, next year, this guy has got to be on the roster. And that's disappointing to me. And scary. Yeah. I think, you know, before you yeah. go, Mark, I, I, Tommy's right. In, but it, with the young players, they're going to take their lumps. I mean, we've seen it. I mean, listen, Spencer Torkelson mm-hmm. just got sent down by Detroit. Uh, you know, there are always outliers that just right from the bat. Juan, Juan Soto. Yep. Uh, Julio Rodriguez. Rodriguez. That kid's on Oof. a freaking planet. I mean, that guy's scary good. Scary good. But you don't – a lot of guys – look. I mean, you know, we you want to compare O'Neill Cruz, we can compare him to Aaron Judge just from the left side, mm-hmm. the same size, you know, the, the height mm-hmm. and everything. I mean, the first year Judge came up, he struck out 42 times in 92 at-bats, and he hit 179. It's, just, it's hard, and you just got to let them play through it. I think you're going to start to see that after the trade deadline where these guys are just going to play every single day, right. and it's going to be what it is, and that's how they learn. But to counter your point – about this that, is good. I like it. Is that point counterpoint is counterpoint? That it's the to me. We talked about the eye test before, and when I watch these guys, you know, why is it not allowed for the Pirates to have somebody come up and just be a slam dunk? That you watch them play and you go, "That's the guy." And that's when you that guys guy, ripped me that what two podcasts ago. Remember we we had that you guys almost freaked out. That's what I'm talking about. That what, we don't have that guy why, in our system. Why we can don't. we never maybe have now? It, it's it's why, why can we never have that guy? Well, yeah, right. And maybe they're we haven't had him since Bonds. But we're in year four at Charrington now. Yeah, you know, and I we talked about this earlier. These are the these are the the beginning waves of the prospects. These are not the necessarily the high profile guys. So I get all that part of it. But you just wish you know the St. Louis Cardinals and every year. I, I, I don't even know if they change uniforms. You know, they just put a number on the back of a guy and they run him out. They're all they all look the same. And he's a fourth round pick. They, he's yeah. a fourth like round pick. He's an eighteenth round pick. He's a guy from Jamoke College. 
you know, and you're, but they come up and they play right away and they play the game the right way and they're great defensively and they play the, you know, it just, you just would like to see that sometimes. Right. Why can't guys. we have nice yeah, things? Yeah, why can't we have nice things too? Why do they always get the shiny thing? So who's, Tom, right. who's your biggest disappointment? All right, so what I'll start. Your, your, the biggest surprise, I'm going more, more global like Tommy, his approach. I'm going to say the number of guys that have made their major league debut. We talked before the season started in one of our first podcasts, we talked about we'll probably see five or six guys make their debut before the All-Star break. What do, they set a record. How many have we had? 11? 11 yes. guys? Yes. But I, think there right? was, I think there were 58 total, total guys. Play, right. I mean, but this 11, is a 26-man yeah. roster. Right. So, they've, so they've to me, that was the biggest surprise. The and I didn't think they would do it, and they did. And that also leads me to my biggest disappointment. And I go back to what I said in the podcast that led to our nice discussion a few weeks ago. Um, there's nobody I say here that that I see is, is, is Barry Bonds, is, um, is Andrew McCutcheon. We don't have a cutch. No. We don't. No, I don't. I mean, I mean it, it, and that scares me, right? We've put faith. I've given every – you can listen to everything I've said. I've told you I believed in Charrington's approach. Blow it completely up, take it down to its studs, and start over. Unfortunately, I think what we're seeing, at least thus far, this first wave, Tommy, like you mentioned, there's no one here. O'Neill Cruz has all, all the tools. He can't put them all together. I mean, they're all the, – the, the tools are all scattered all over the place. Um I don't know if he's ever – I don't know. We'll see. Like you, The Polanco post-Jerko slide, I think that's what we're seeing with O'Neill. Buffoon, buffoon, buffoon slide. Yeah. Yes, buffoon Thank slide. Thank you. The only thing with O'Neill I mean, Cruz is it's too small of a sample yes. size. Well, same with Mitchell. Same with all of them. Six, it's just too small. He's sixth on the team. But, and, but he's, he's, a, he's sixth on the team in war so far this year in Cruz, and he's right. only been here for – again, though, it's eye test. Yes, When I exactly. watch him at the plate and yes. I see that stance and I see the way he swings a bat, listen, I'm not Ted Williams looking at a guy or Tony right. Gwynn looking at a guy, but I know what Major League Baseball swings yes. look We've like. We've watched enough of it. And I and think when you've watched 40 years of ball, you and the way that he approaches it makes me nervous. nervous. Yes, well, I, I agree. Plonka, right. And so, and, and then the other disappointments are the fact that, that we still have to see Yoshi, Sutsugo, and Vandermeer. Really? Really, I know. I can't I mean, believe the. Eagles. I agree with you on the other the veterans that you mentioned. I agree with you yeah. on the other vet. Yes, yeah. they missed on Yoshi and Van- let him go. Cut what, whatever the hell his name, what Van- whatever his name is. I have to assume the deadline is the drop dead for all these. You're, yeah. you're playing these guys. I, yes. You're trying to get it. You're, if you can get a yeah. bag of balls for Van Meter and Yoshi, you do it. And then on August, what is it? Yeah. What did we say it was August. Vandermeer, Van Meter, whatever. On August, on August, August ninth, those guys weren't Vanderwall. You, D, you DFA him and you move on. John Vanderwall. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I get them all. We've seen too many guys. I get their names jumbled all the time. All right, so what are you hoping to see in the second half? I, what I'm hoping to see is what my pleasant surprise was, was Keller and Brubaker. I want to see them finish the season strong. Like Brubaker right. last year, he struggled in the second half. Struggle, I, the, I, there's a stronger word than struggles, but he was terrible in the second half last year. You need to see him continue. You need to see Keller continue. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I want to see in the second half is the the starting pitching. Once Cantano goes, because we know he's probably yeah. more than likely gone, that the guys that are going to be here next year can finish a full season and finish it with consistency. And that's what I want to see in the second Love half. Love it. Yep. What I want to see is to 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 about the disappointment part. Of what I was talking about is I want to see that this organization can write names and in ink. For next year, 
And I need some of these guys, the brew bakers and colorists on the pitching staff, um, you know, some of the, you know, the cruises and the Diego Castillos and Swinskis and Mitchells when they come back up, which they will after the deadline. I want some of these guys to be able to put their foot in the ground and, sh- and show the organization that, damn it, I'm a major league player. Right. I got to be on this Go on a two month tear. Roster. Like, you know, showing two months. There's yeah. too many guys whose names, if I'm writing this organization, there's too many guys that's written in pencil that I can, that I'm not sure of what I got. And I need some, I, I want to see and I hope that some of these guys put their foot in the ground. And then at the, at the, at the, at game 162 this year, if I'm writing the organizational depth chart, okay, here's my roster for 22, 23, or 23, 20. Oh my God. Is next year yeah. going to be 23? Yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. The, the, the 2023 opening day roster, here's 10, 12, 16 <coughs> names. I'm writing in pen. These guys are going to be part of my team next year. And then you move on from there. And what I'm afraid of is right now there's three. And I'm hoping that there's either they can get to the teens by the end of the year. Right. So that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, not much that. I mean, you two nailed it. I'm sitting over here shaking my head the whole time you guys are talking. So a um, couple things I want to see. Obviously, I want to see Quintana and Vogelbach moved and, and get some nice assets in return, as we've talked about. Hoping to see that. And then, yeah, I want to see at least one of these guys play well for two months. And I agree, Keller and Brubaker have been awesome. So you know you have two pieces of your rotation moving. And Zach Thompson, too. We haven't talked about him. He's been solid. He's, he's been solid. solid. Yeah, exactly. He's a, he's a great five. You know five. He go, he's going to go out there and give you right. a chance to win every every. Yeah, every he's a great day. five. I want to, you know, maybe let's reward Mike Burroughs. Let's bring him up. I know he hasn't been great in AAA, but he's had a great season overall. So maybe like O'Neill Cruz last year, they reward him. They bring him up in September. They give him three starts in September, and we see something from him. And it all ties it, that ties to what you two have already talked about. But that, that's what you're hoping. I think every Pirate fan is hoping for is that you see some of these younger, additional younger guys in the second half because nobody has in the first half. Nobody. You're hoping to see a little bit more of that in the second half. The one thing I'll, I want to end on here is I, you know, I know the young guys haven't done what we thought they have, but it's been a small sample size. Yeah. You know, O'Neill Cruz got less than 100 at bats. Mitchell got less than 100 bats. Diego Castillo, like Tom was talking on previous podcast, Castillo, his splits, him and yeah. Chavis with the splits, right? Castillo's pounding left-handed pitching. He couldn't hit water if he thought of a right. boat against a right-handed pitcher. So he needs to be more consistent against right-handed pitchers. But the one thing I, I want to make a point, I think, and hopefully we're still doing this next year when the, yep. when the pirate season opens, I think you're going to – Cal Mitchell's the guy. I, I think he has that hit tool. And I, I just – it something's what? really, really clicked with this guy. Okay. Now you've got to give him a chance to play every day. And I, I think once – the trade deadline goes by. He goes out there every day. I think he can relax the rest of the season, and he's gotten part of a season, and that's that's invaluable to have that experience at the major league level. You can talk about triple A, double A, all you want. When you make that next step, that, that I mean, that's like falling off a cliff. I mean, the, the major league pitching is no joke. But I think Mitchell's going to be the guy that take, takes that step. Everybody wants to talk about Cruz, but I think it's going to be Mitchell. We'll see. Time will tell. Before we move off of baseball. Want to take a minute. Tommy came up with a great hypothetical that we want to throw out there. We'll discuss briefly. Um, The story, national baseball story, is Ben Juan Soto. Uh, He turned down the $444 million contract from the Nationals. They give him the double middle finger by not chartering a plane for him to the All-Star game. Um, He's he's been the story. He's been the, the national major league baseball story. 
should the Pirates trade for him? I mean, when you think about who can, first, who has the prospects? Check, Pirates. Who has the payroll space? Check, Pirates. Right? They have a $50 million payroll right now. They sign them to a $50 million a year deal. They're still at $100 million. And if that's going to be the floor they're talking about, there you go. Yeah, I mean, the premise for this behind it was that I read an athletic article and it said who can trade for Juan Soto, meaning who has the prospects, basically. And there was 10 teams, and it was typical, the Dodgers and the Yankees and all that stuff. But there was no Pirates mentioned in, the, in these 10 teams. And the reason why is because everybody in baseball knows that nothing would never write the check for Soto. So we're coming at this from the from the perspective of, of course, this trade will never happen because nothing won't write If the, the Pirates had a normal owner. The, right. yeah, this, yeah, so this is more of right. if I was the Brown Pirates owner or if we what? were the Pirates owners. And you look at it from a perspective of, you know, it, it, to me, one of the things we talked about with baseball is, you know, so the best player in baseball is going to be traded. And who are the top two teams to get them? The Dodgers and Yankees. I mean, is this even fun anymore? To, right. I mean, you know, they have the highest payrolls. Whenever somebody like this gets moved, they're the only people they can get traded to. And that's the problem, which is why I hate baseball. But when you look at it from a realistic perspective, could the Pirates make this trade? Absolutely, they could make this trade. They have the prospects. They have the payroll flexibility because they're not paying anybody. Um, and you could conceivably trade for Soto, pay him $50 million a year with what you already have, build a young team around him with Reynolds, Hayes, and Soto being, what do they make? They may, they could potentially make $75 million mm-hmm. and everybody else make a make league minimum right. and still be at $110 million. And it's never talked about that a team like this, and if, you know, there was talk over the All-Star Week about there potentially being a $100 million floor at some point. Um, and if that was the case, the Pirates and a lot of teams would have to come up with $50, $60 million to spend somewhere. Well, do you go out and spend it on five or six $10 million players where if it doesn't work, then you've got to move six players all making significant money to get out and, and get back to, you know, out of your money? Or do you go out and sign one guy that could be the face of your franchise, that could fill up PNC Park, that could be a legitimate guy that's flipping balls into the river night in and night out? And, and meet your payroll, you know, that way. And I think it's fascinating that they're never talked about. If I was the owner, I would 100% do it and, and seriously consider doing it, um, assuming that you could get Soto to sign a deal here. Um, but again, hypotheticals. If I'm offering Juan Soto $50 million a year, I think Pittsburgh becomes a reasonable place mm-hmm. to play. And I think it's fascinating to talk about, and I think it's something that's never talked about. Mm-hmm. Um and it would start with, you know, and you'd have to give up four or five good prospects, your best prospects. But if this organization is as deep in talent as everybody thinks it is, you know, you've got, you had a first round pick last year that's going to be a star. You had a first round pick this year that's going to be a star. And you're going to have one next year. But you're going to have another top five or, or seven pick next year to go off of. So you have three guys right there that are potential building blocks to build around them. And along with all the prospects you already have in this so-called system, I mean, there's no reason in the world why you couldn't do it. No, I, it was funny. Tommy called, or I called him the other day, and I was on my way home from work, and he, he brought this hypothetical up, and I said, ah, get the hell out of here. And then, you know, I got off the phone with him, and I'm thinking about it. I'm like, wow, this is, I mean, it, 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 it is something. It's that feasible. We, it is feasible, <laughs> and it's something, I know the Pirates will never do it, 
but they should do it. Mm-hmm. Now, I know he's a Boris client, and Boris obviously hates the Pirates. Would, I mean, he hates nothing, yes. He hates nothing, so it, w- it wouldn't happen, but it, it, you're right, it can happen. And mm-hmm. and something like this, if it's not Soto, it should be somebody, somebody's got to be here that's a cornerstone. Like you said, mm-hmm. we don't have a Bonds, we don't have a McCutcheon right now. This guy would fill, he mm-hmm. would put asses in the seats. And to me, that's the biggest thing, right? We're talking about nothing, everything's all business. A Juan Soto. That's why I, it, it's not can't. It, it's should they? And my response is absolutely hundred percent yes, because if you even if I'm if I'm nutting and I look at it from his perspective, right? Think about how much money that guy will generate. You will not be able to get a pirate ticket the rest of the season. Yeah, it, it'll be the hardest ticket to get in town. Everyone's going to want to go see this kid. He instantly makes you a credible franchise, which leads to more dollars. The merchandising that'll come as a result of it will be through the roof. Everybody's going to want a Soto Pirate jersey. So if I'm him, I'm sitting there, cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. And why? Somebody go run me a report. What What is this going to generate? What is it going to cost us? What's it going to generate revenue-wise? Where are Where do we sit? And let's face it. Let's be very let's be very honest about this. If if they went to 125 million dollar payroll mm-hmm. and they had a slight increase in ticket sales. It still's not going to cost Nunning one nine. Right, he ain't losing any money. TV, that hundred twenty-five million is covered before he sells yeah. one ticket, before he sells one hot dog. We know that. We know what baseball is printing money from all their, for all their other revenue streams. You know, baseball is not like hockey where they count on ticket sales to make money. Baseball basically pays off themselves between revenue sharing, the TV money, and all that stuff. For a, for a team like this, 100, I think it was. I think I saw a report that anything was 125 or 130 million and under is basically free money for a lot of these teams before they sell one ticket. So the fact is that he could do all this and nothing change. But mm-hmm. you know, the one thing that drives me crazy with the Pirates that the Penguins did so early and figured it out. We have a shit product. But we're going to get people in there. So they did Student Rush, mm-hmm. and they let kids in there for ten bucks a game, and they filled that place. And the place was energetic; it was lively, and they had young people in there watching the game for ten bucks. If I ran the Pirates, and not to get off this topic, but it goes to this point, I'd have that upper deck. If you wanted season tickets, mm-hmm. you could only buy them in the first level. The upper deck, ten dollars a game, every game, ten dollars to get in there, and you get a you get a bunch of people mm-hmm. in there, and you start driving that revenue. But to your, but get back to this point where it comes to Soto. If you sign Soto, if you trade it for Soto tomorrow, the next, like you said, the rest of those series, they're not going to sell out. But you're going to get fifteen or twenty thousand more mm-hmm. than you did before Easy. that. Yeah. And why, why he continues to trip over a dollar to pick up a nickel makes no sense to me. And you talk, he talks about business sense. I mean, that makes sense. You're right. gonna you're gonna create more revenue for your your right. product. And right. I don't understand. Why he doesn't see that? Uh, well, and you, you, and I know he doesn't care about this, but it, if I'm working for him, I am, especially given my PR background. You mentioned that article. Pirates weren't even mentioned. The Pirates are an afterthought nationally. We know that. Yes. Nobody even thinks about them. This instantly puts you on the map. Instantly legitimatizes the franchise overnight. And there's a ton of benefits that come along with that. So for any number of reasons, I think they – they should do it, explore it at least. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's an old saying in business: "Penny smart, dollar foolish." Foolish, Yep, and that's what that is the epitome of what nutting is. Mm-hmm. He is so you know very frugal. Yeah. Watches every dollar and even, spent. You know, uh, I had a conversation with somebody that told me you know that, um, and I don't want to say his name because I don't want to out him, but Bob Nutting still flies on Southwest when he flies. 
I mean, the guy's a billionaire. Mm-hmm. He, you know, everybody, an average PGA golfer has his own private jet now mm-hmm. at this point or rents one. And this guy's still flying commercial. He's a billionaire. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just shows you what you're dealing right. with here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is just it is just mind-blowing to me that you run a company. Me and you both own businesses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we both do everything to maximize every dollar that we can bring in. And the, the dollars that he just lets sits out there to just to be penny smart is just baffling. It's baffling. All right, well, that's a lot of baseball talk for this week. Good stuff. Let's, I want to talk about, as you both know, my specialty that I bring to the table. Here's Pitt. And so I just want to take a, a real quick minute here uh, to talk about pit football. We are um, a week away from the opening of camp. Uh, August 1st, Monday, August 1st, I believe they open up camp. That's when it all starts. Um, so they're, they're in Charlotte right now for ACC Media Days. The big news that came out today, then the ESPN Game Day, will be at Heinz Field September 1st for the Backyard Brawl. For a program like Pitt, that's huge, huge to get ESPN Game Day to come here. It helps with recruiting. It helps in any number of different ways. You get exposure, just like we were talking about the Pirates. You get exposure for your program in a way that no other television program will give you. Just won't, It just doesn't happen. Yeah, Pitt's back on the national scene. Uh, you know, this year is going to be different than any year that we've dealt with in our adult life because now Pitt is no longer the hunter, they're the hunted. And that makes a big difference. Every team that comes in to Heinz Field or whatever the hell they Mm -hmm. call it now. Akershore Stadium. Akershore Stadium, whatever the hell they want to call it. um, They're here to beat Pitt. I mean, they're going to get up for that game. Now, can Pitt match that intensity? Mm -hmm. We're going to see this is just a different year. But yeah, college game day coming here is huge. It's huge for them. Um, And they also found out, and this is important, it's one of those afterthought news items of the day. But trust me when I tell you, this is going to pay huge dividends for this team this year. Bub Means, the transfer from Louisiana, is eligible. They announced it today, the wide receiver. Everybody I've talked to associated with the program loves this kid, said he's a stud. Talked to somebody a couple days ago who would know very well, Bub Means, this kid is a beast. So we've talked about... Canada, Mumfield, the transfer from Akron with Jared Wayne, Jaden Bradley, Jalen Barden. But now you add Bob Means into that mix. This is a legitimate, deep, talented wide receiver room that's going to help either Keaton or Nick, whoever the quarterback is, and make a huge difference. We talked about the offensive line. Those dudes are all studs. They're all back. We know how good they're going to be. But now with Bob Means eligible, that, that's going to make a huge difference for them. And, and this, you know – Pitt is a is a is a program over the last few years that has been famous, obviously, for the disappointing, crushing, soul crushing right. losses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, last year, you know, they had a couple stumbles on the way, but they they got the job done. Mm-hmm. They won the ACC, but the pressure is going to be on Narduzzi, and you know, Narduzzi's got no problem banging his chest uh, out there, and that's all good and great for your mm-hmm. program as long as you win. win. Mm-hmm. So it's real cute and real nice when he's winning, but when you lose, that stuff gets real old real fast. So the pressure is really going to be on him, and whoever wins the quarterback spot are going to be arguably two of the most high-profile, most heat on them in this city starting off this year for football. And uh, much like it is on the other side of Southside with Tomlin and whoever wins the quarterback job there, um, there's going to be a lot of pressure on those guys this year. That's a perfect segue, Tommy. Thank you. I appreciate that. Factor fiction for this week. We'll do a rapid fire factor fiction. 
you mentioned the other quarterback battle uh, in, in next door on the south side. Fact or fiction, Kenny Pickett will win the starting job coming out of uh, training camp. Uh, that's fiction. I, as much as I'd love to see Kenny win the job, uh, I, I believe that you know Trubisky is going to win the job. I don't think he's going to have it very long. Um, just considering his track record in the NFL, he's just not a good quarterback. Um, but I think Trubisky is going to be the starter probably through week six, and then then you're going to see a change at some point. I will not only will I say fiction, I'm going to go one step further. I think Kenny Pickett's going to be inactive on week one. I, I, unless something happens where there's an injury to somebody in the NFL, I don't think Mason Rudolph's going anywhere. I don't think they're going to cut him. I don't think they're going to. I don't think that they're going to inact make him the third quarterback. I think at least for week one, I think Kenny Pickett's inactive on week one. I think you're both crazy. <laughs> I think the Steelers are going to give him every opportunity to win the job in training camp. We're all going to see that. You're going to see a ton of number eight in all the preseason games, which is going to be great because it's always okay. We watch the preseason games in the second half because you want to see the guys that are battling to make the fringe of the roster. This year, you're actually there's going to be meaning to it. You're going to see a ton of Kenny, and I think you're going to see a ton of Kenny because they want him to win the job. They want Mitch in that little contract that he signed, and that's what it was, to be the backup. They want Kenny. Kenny, let's not he's not a young rookie. This is an older rookie who has a ton of experience. Sorry, it's a dog in the background. I think this is going to be Kenny's job to lose in training camp. Well, I mean, from what I hear, it sounds like there's another bet on the table. So yes. on week one, we have Mark, Kenny Pickett is the starter. We have If he doesn't blow it. We have Michael as, I mean, if he performs poorly, then that's on him. We have Michael as the backup on week one. And I say he's an actor. Is that fair? Yeah, I, I, that's fair. I mean, I, listen, I don't think I don't think Kenny Pickett is going to be inactive for Week One. I don't think Mason Rudolph's going to be here, but I, I do think I do think Mitchell Trubisky is going to win the job just because he has experience, and that's the only reason. It has nothing to do with talent, but it, it, the experience is going to win him the job to start the season, and we'll see how far it takes him. I mean, we'll see how well they play. If they can run the football, then he might have the job a little bit longer. So everybody was introduced to Tux there, our dog, our seven-month-old, as you can tell, uh, teddy bear, they're called. But anyway, um, no, I think he's going to have every opportunity. It's up to him, right? I, I think Tomlin wants him to prove that he can be the starter if he does. He's gonna want. He's gonna run out of the tunnel week one as, as the starter. There's no doubt. I think that's what they want. Trubisky makes no money. If Trubisky is the starter, then Kenny blew it. That's the way I look at it. So we'll see. Next one. Pirates will trade Quintana, Vogelbach, and Ben Gamble by the trade deadline. Fact or fiction? Uh, all three. All three. That's fiction. I, I think one of them stays. Two of them is gonna go, and it depends on what you can get for. Vogelbach, I think Vogelbach has a, a place here. Um, I like how he interacts with the younger hitters. Um, I like him as a DH, and uh, you know I think Gamble's expendable. I like Gamble too, and I think he'd be a good four, fourth outfielder on a team that's in in contention. And then obviously Quintana is a hundred percent gone, no matter what. But if you're saying all three, I say fiction. I'm going to say fact. Um, I think they've got you know Reynolds is going to be one of the outfielders. Uh, in the finish up the year, um, and they need to get these young guys playing. They, you know, they they've got too many young outfielders, and I think Gamble is the kind of player, like you just said, Michael, 
that a four, that a fourth outfielder on a really good team. You know, back in the nineties, the Pirates always had R.J. Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Was their fourth Gary Reedus? Gary Reedus. Yeah. Orlando yeah. Merced. There was always that guy that is a Orlando big, Merced. Yeah. There was always that guy that was a key. You know, a little extra outfielder could do everything. Gamble's a gamer. I, I'm going to say fact. I think all three are gone. I agree. I, I'm going to say fact. I, I think at least Charrington's going to want to dish all three. Uh, the Mets are get, already interested in Vogelbach. Right. So, I mean, I, I hey, think... Hey, let's... How about a little shout-out to the softball player? No. <clears throat> no shout-out? No. I mean, he's, he's had he's a pretty impressive... Solid. He's, he's been, been solid. really solid. Yeah. He's no solid when a right-hander's on the mound. Well, yeah. A I left-hander's mean, on the mound. But it, but my... That's where I get... It's not his fault, but if I see him bat lefty... If I, a lefty starter, and he's batting fourth in the lineup one more time, and he goes 0 for 4, 4 strikeouts, it's just... I don't understand. That's a whole other different argument. <laughs> Marcus Pedersen... Kasperi Kapanen will be on the Penguins roster come October, whatever the first game is. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I'm going to say fact only because I don't think they have any – I think for them to do something, they'd have to make a hockey trade, and I just don't think um, any more uh, hockey trades for the most part are going to be made right now with them. Um, I think they I think they like Kapanen and Pedersen uh, probably more – or not, I shouldn't say that. I know they like Kapanen more than most people, and I just don't think they've had Pedersen out there for two months. They could have traded Pedersen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's no secret they wanted to move right. him, and now I think they're stuck with him. So I think fact of both here. Yeah, I, I, I concur with Tommy because they just signed. You know, they, they just signed Kapanen to a new deal. So I think he stays, and Pedersen they had a chance to already dish mm-hmm. him, and he's still here. You know, if, he's, if Tommy says there's no hockey trade to be mm-hmm. made, then I I, I got to say both of them will still be here. I agree. I think it's fact. I think they're here. Uh, I'm going to go a step further and say this is it. This is the squad. What you have on the roster right now is what we're going to see. And, and now he'll tinker during the season, but I think the, the roster you have now is the roster you're going to see. Yeah, meanwhile, opening up training camp. When we get in the car and push the button and start <clears> the car tonight, there'll be a, right, there'll there'll be be a, a newsflash that both of them were traded in the right. same deal. But I, I don't see it happening either. And so speaking of hockey, again, I want to tease next week. Next week we're going to talk about – we talked about the hypothetical today with Juan Soto. We have another hypothetical we didn't get to today on a potential possible penguin trade involving Jake Gensel. So just a little teaser for next week. Stay tuned for that one. Uh, we're going to talk about that. I know people love talking hypotheticals and offering their opinions. So we got another one already on tap for you next week. Any rants for this week? Yeah, I'll start it out. I mean, you know, I'm a baseball guy, um, and I, I say it every podcast that I'd like to bash Major League Baseball, but when they do, they do mm-hmm. do certain things right. Growing up for me, the NBA slam dunk contest was the thing to watch, mm-hmm. right? Now, I really enjoy the home run hitters contest. You, I mean, you watch the NBA, we talked about it during All-Star Weekend, right? There were four jabrones in the, all, in the dunk contest nobody ever heard of because <clears> none <throat> of the stars want to do it. Listen, Albert Pujols came out at age 42, and we probably know he's probably 52. He has no birth certificate, so that's a little dicey. He came out, and not only did – I didn't want him to embarrass himself. Mm -hmm. He didn't. He hit some home runs. Was he tired? Controversial win in the first round, but he won the first round. He won the first round. I'm not sure if Schwarber gave it to him (laughs) just to get him to the second round. But to watch the uh, – that's now the, the crown jewel of mm-hmm. all All-Star weekends is the home run hitters contest. You've seen a young guy like Julio Rodriguez mm-hmm. smash 32 home runs in the first round. I mean, he was hitting bombs out of that mm-hmm. place. And L.A. is not an easy place right. to hit home runs in. 
Uh, it's just a cool event to watch. It I, is, I but was, I'm going to argue, just like everything else with baseball, it took too long. What was the great thing about the slam dunk contest? How long did it take? Well, it didn't take long at all because I, I don't remember watching the end of it. Oh, you mean as a kid? As a kid. Well, no, it went right. Quicker. Yes, there's a commercial between every hitter, and then they it, split it's crazy. the yeah, Yes, and it, it's, it's because it's it's all about the, the almighty dog. I, I get it, but it could be even better if it were an hour shorter. Figure yeah, it, it takes a long time. Yeah, there's it no takes question. a long time. There's, there's a it, lot of rounds. But at least and we live in a world of going online and watching one minute videos. Yeah, no, right? it's instant, so instant. Yeah, they need to connect with this younger generation, and three hour long broadcasts aren't going to do it. So follow the lead of and uh, the NBA again. Shorten it, shorten it. Well, I'll tell you from my uh, my softball background. Mm -hmm. You know, Major League Baseball is not going to take any notes from softball, but. We run home run derbies all the time mm -hmm. in, in our large events. Um, we'll have 100, 120 hitters hit, and I can get it done faster than eight major league hitters. You know why? Because they all get X amount of pitches, mm -hmm. and that's it. So if you're going to do this bracket style, you just don't let them swing forever. Give them 20 pitches, 25 mm -hmm. pitches, or you know right. whatever. And you just can tighten even, it up. And you could potentially, if you do that, you could even add more. You know, mm -hmm. you could have you know 10 hitters or 12 hitters do it or something like that. But you only limit how many pitches they get. This stuff where they swing and they hit ball. I mean, home run derby to me is like fireworks. If I've seen one, I've seen them all. It doesn't. It's a home run. Okay, it went out. Great. It's you know like a firework. Oh boom! Look, it got bright. I mean, that's uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the same thing. So if you wanted to your point, I agree with you. It is ridiculously long. Yeah. I would limit how many. Everybody gets yep. twenty pitches, and then you know if a hitter A hits twelve. Once hitter B gets to the point where he can't hit twelve, he you know he's 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 only got four pitches left and he's only hit four of them. You move on. That round's over. Move on to the yeah. next guy. Well, now that you both shit on my rant, my rant. <laughs> my point was, all right, you both just shit all over it. My point was, and, and you guys, I, I get your point, yeah. I, mm -hmm. and, but that my point was is that the stars are in it, and, yeah. and that's what Fair you want to see. Yeah. You want to see these guys. You, I want right. to see LeBron James when he right. his last year. Go into the dunk contest. Is he going to win it? No, but would it be cool to see him? Yeah, but you're never going to see it. Don't mention it, his it, name. At least I know. But I'm just making a He's point He's like about Voldemort him. to me. He shall not be named. Well, all right, my friend. Yeah. I'll help you out in saying that while I agree that with Mark it's way too long and that part of it I don't like, to your point, thousands and thousands of tweets I saw about the mm -hmm. home run derby and everybody was watching it and everybody was excited about it. I heard bupkis about the All-Star game. No, yeah. so, I didn't watch it. So to yeah. your point, I agree with you that it has become – I agree with you that it has become the and part, side and of the draft of the All-Star game. I, love I it agree too. with you 100% on that. Tying the draft into yeah. it too, I thought made a lot of sense. But for old people like me and you who got you know, shit yeah. to do the next day, yeah. I mean like, okay, come on. All, all right, right, let's yeah, go. Yeah, all right. So my rant to tie into your Hopefully rant. Hopefully, I can shit on yours. Guys. I don't know. I don't know how we've been friends for thirty-seven years, but we disagree on just about everything. But I'll say this: as far as the All Star Game, I, I can't. I have no interest in watching the All Star Game anymore because it's not special like right. it used to be. When we were kids, we watched guys. Oh, and Pete that, Rose, Dave Parker. But not just that. that you I mean, watch guys that you couldn't see, see matchups that you didn't see. Mm -hmm. That's all gone. But the last true thing that they did and they did right. They took away this year, and that was the uniforms. Mm -hmm. I know most people won't care about it, but when I when I turn on the game and I see the same freaking guy, I don't know who's back. I don't know these guys yeah, anymore. I like metallic this. gold. Yeah, I don't. Know, I don't know a lot of these players anymore because baseball to mm -hmm. me is just it's just not what it used to be. 
But when I turn them on and I see, you know, the one pirate, I want to see in the black and gold. Mm -hmm. And I want to see the guys in their true uniforms, their home and away. I always thought that was the one cool thing left about the All-Stars because, you know, NFL doesn't do that anymore. Nobody, NBA nobody, doesn't do it nobody anymore. Plays, they used to do it in the yeah, 80s. Nobody plays in their own uniforms anymore. And I always thought that was the one last thing that Major League Baseball had going for it. And it just sucked this year to see those uniforms. I hated them. I hated everything about them. I didn't know who was what, you know. They all just blend in, and I, I was very disappointed in that. So as far as that goes, I, I just was I just thought that was a terrible decision. So, all right, we'll end with that because I pretty much my rant sort of tied into yours, Michael. So we're just gonna, we'll, we'll we'll wrap it right there. Um, well, can I give you one more thing that yeah, you could yeah. rant about? Because I have a second rant that also yeah. pisses me off. Yeah, Madden NFL ratings. Oh, you please. shut up. It's a video game yeah. for Christ's sake. Cares? Who cares what your rating oh, is? And this gosh. guy wasn't this. And this guy, oh, for God's sake. Who cares? Just I know. Play. I know we just got, we yeah. just, we just everybody aged under 40 but, just right. turned us off. Right. But you know what? I, I, I oh. just never seen anything done right about that. I mean, smart by Madden, you come from a PR background. Yeah. I mean, that's all oh, absolutely. That was huge Jesus news all week. Christ, is that yeah. I mean, they get a ton of coverage on their game this oh, week. These players get pissed off. They too. do. Yeah, oh, they my really gosh. Get off. They yeah. take it personally. It's like, well, why? Then, then you see the comparisons between T.J. Watt and Miles Garrett. They're, yeah. And they're showing oh. the stats. I'm like, mm. okay. I, if Tommy's right there. I, they, did, I, they probably I, did it on purpose. Oh, uh, There's no doubt. There, I mean, and, and that's what I would do. If yeah. I was Madden, I would do stuff like that to try yeah. to get people. If I'm an EA Sports, I'm going to. To try to stoke people to stoke that fire. Absolutely. And they do it when there's nothing else, no camps, yep. no nothing. So NFL, we're just dying for NFL mm-hmm. news. So they gave them something to is. talk about. But my wow. God, shut Shoof. up. I agree. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That was good. That was a yeah. good episode. Appreciate it, guys. And until next week, Michael Andonicio, Tom Bradley, Mark Lenny signing off. ABC on Pittsburgh Sports. Have a great week, everybody. Talk to you soon.